Hello, folks. Welcome to the Weekly Shots Podcast, episode 25. Me and the brain got a unique opportunity to interview a nice lady. Her name's Lindsay Ann. She, um, she does a lot. She does a lot for people that are, you know, at their worst moments in their life. At the worst time, she's there to help them out. You got to check out her website. It's lovesongphotography.com. Check out her website and view some of the stuff, view, view the things that she's done. Listen to this interview with us so you can actually see what she's doing, what, what this interview is all about, because it's not going to make much sense unless you go to the website. So you definitely want to go to the website. If you're, on our, if you're on our actual site, you can click on her picture and it'll take you to her website. Now, just a real quick brief history here. Lindsay and her client's stories have been featured in Forbes, CNN, People Magazine, Huffington Post, Yahoo News, The Daily Mail, and many, many more. Her social media following is amongst the highest for any photographer on Facebook, and her videos have been viewed by millions. She has brought awareness to and supported such causes such as ALS, childhood and adult cancers, stillbirths, Alzheimer's, and multiple, multiple others. She's doing all the things that we don't do, that we don't think of. She's that person for, for those people when they need somebody the most. Enjoy the interview, guys. The Weekly Shots Podcast with your host, The Shots. Randomness, yo. Brian the Brainchild. My whole thing in life, though, is you question everything. And Uncle Daddy. Yeah, that's me. Well, I was hanging out with Ronda Rousey over the weekend. Seriously? Yeah, for like three hours we hung out and just talked about different stuff. And and Travis Brown and where and at a friend's Orange house? County. No, at a friend's house. I'm so jealous. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Why don't you call me? I didn't know. Who. So yeah, Brian, how come you didn't call everybody and let them know where Rondi Rousey? Rondi, what? I just said Rondi Rousey. Ronda Rousey. Ronda yeah. Rousey. No, but, Jake Ellenberger. Oh, he's good. I yeah. love that guy. He's just a nice guy. He's very, very nice. Very sweet. Yeah. And he has a little boy. Yeah. Now. And a lot of these guys, they're like that. They're just nice guys. Oh, well, welcome to the Weekly Shots. This is episode 25. We have a guest with us on this episode. Mm-hmm. Indeed we do. And would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. My name is Lindsay, and I'm with the Love Song Foundation, as well as Love Song Events and Photography. Yeah. Boom. There yeah. you go. Very interesting stuff. I went on your website today. I uh, was looking at so many different things that you've done. Amazing. Thank you. To be honest with you. It's very hard for me to stay on the website longer than 10 minutes because I start, you know how it goes, you start getting a little emotional. You're a big softy, yeah. I am a big softy, dude. Yeah. I may look a little rough around the edges, but I'm a pretty soft <laughs> boy, you know? But yeah, lots of stories, lots of heartache, but then again, there's a lots of memories, um, lots of memories that people can go back and look on, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, just the simple well, thing of a photograph. She's not just an, an average photographer. So what makes you different from other photographers? What do you do? I think originally when I started three and a half years ago doing documentations, I started with just photography. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it's, I feel like it's so much more than a picture. So I really try to paint a story that allows the families that I photograph to um, 
be viewed and followed by people that have never mm-hmm. met this family that I am showcasing. Mm-hmm. So I now I medically advocate for the family. Mm-hmm. I show families um, what to do after the fact that they've lost somebody. So maybe mm-hmm. it's fundraising or plan funeral services or um, help them set up family counseling. Yeah, because that's needed because when they're in the midst of that grief, they don't know what to do. Right. So, yeah, essentially when they're experiencing this tragedy, they basically just find out about the tragedy Mm -hmm. and how they handle it is basically up to them. That's not something that the doctors and the nurses walk them through. No. So um, I essentially try to be their emotional support Mm -hmm. um, as well as I try to help them think outside the box and I try to help them think once something tragic happens Mm -hmm. um, they might want X, Y, and Z but Mm -hmm. those people don't know what X, Y, and Z is in that moment because everything is such a fog. Mm -hmm. So I try to help them um, just see that if if that makes sense. That does, yeah. I mean, because what you're doing is you're going into the into the hospitals, mm-hmm. into the rooms with mm-hmm. these people. Mm-hmm. You're going into the darkest times that these people are going to be mm-hmm. dealing with. You're going into their homes and and then you you take these sessions with them where they have something to remember, maybe a better time or just a moment with them. Mm-hmm. And what shocks me is is getting into that moment with all that emotion and then you're going in there and you're absorbing a portion of that every session you do. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Mm. Um, I think in the beginning, I was just in go mode. Um, I try and tell people that maybe want to help or maybe people will email me and they'll be like, I really Mm. want to help this person. You know, what do I do when I'm in the midst of this situation and how do I go in and be there for that person? And I try to say um, that I am essentially blessed to not be the sick person Mm -hmm. or to not be, I guess, the client. Um, Because, to be honest with you, I never want to be the client because my clients are experiencing the storm. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I'm kind of the calm before the storm. So I try and go in and I I tell myself before I walk in that door that it's not about me, Mm -hmm. stick my emotions, you know, leave Mm -hmm. my emotions at the door and just go in and try to be that Person, whoever yeah. whoever that person that I is that I have to be, I, I need to be that person. So I kind of become a chameleon when I go in that room because mm-hmm. I don't really know who I have to be. Yeah. And every family is very different. So oh, maybe nice. I have to talk to somebody in a certain way or maybe I have to act a certain way or maybe I have to hug somebody mm-hmm. a little tighter or, mm-hmm. you know, they might need something that the next person in the other room mm-hmm. um doesn't need Mm -hmm. so at first when i would go in there i would just think okay Lindsay, it's not about you it's it's about them and don't cry i i i remember like thinking to myself really how valuable am i if i am a basket case if i'm the one crying like so i remember thinking to myself it's okay to cry with them Mm-hmm. but not okay to cry before them. Yeah. So I think at times, you know, if you lose somebody mm-hmm. and and my emotions are sterile, mm-hmm. 
that's probably not so helpful. No. However, if mm. I walk in and there's a stillbirth session that I'm trying to photograph and I can't even get through the session because I'm just a basket case because yeah. I'm over there crying, how is that supposed to make these people feel? Mm -hmm. So I really had to learn how to control my emotions mm. um, and I had to learn when is it acceptable to do certain things yeah. so that took that took a little bit but how i balance my regular life during my tragedies oh gosh or, that's gonna be the hard oh, the man. hard part yeah i <laughs> don't think that i could necessarily do my foundation work 24 7 mm. i truly don't because these clients become my friends these yeah. clients become you know the family member that i never had yeah um i think about these kids that are no longer like here and some of them they um they come home with me like they they remind me of them. of yeah. of somebody else they remind yeah. me of my nine-year-old that's home or whatever it is so i balance that with my regular family mm -hmm. you know i have three kids and um my regular everyday photo shoots. So essentially I kind of shoot the circle of life. Mm. Maybe one day I'm photographing a newborn and mm. I have a family session. And then maybe that night I'm walking into the hospital because there's something that I have to photograph due to an illness mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. Yeah. Mm. So I try to balance them both out mentally. Yeah. Um, because there's no way that I can just dedicate myself 100% to these you, you got to take a break and step back at times. You yeah. know, maybe to just take a step back. It's how me and Lindsay met. It's uh, with my daughter Catherine when she got diagnosed with cancer. And we were at uh, Rady's Children's Hospital. Uh, Catherine got nominated through your social media group mm -hmm. for a session, mm -hmm. but that was was that the hardest one you ever had to get done. Oh yeah, it still puts a bad taste in my mouth. I, I, to be honest with you, when I get a nomination for Radies, I avoid it like the plague, just because. Uh, I don't know if you want to like go into detail about. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Breeze, breeze over. Um, yeah, definitely. We basically, um, due to a doctor that um, was inappropriate years back uh, with a child. Um, and taking pictures of that child, they basically changed the whole rules of mm -hmm. taking pictures of kids um, in the hospital. So basically, all of Rady's Hospital, um, they have a policy, a hospital policy, that the doctors and nurses are not allowed to have cell phones or cameras mm -hmm. on the floors. Um, essentially, I get that. I, I completely get sense. it. However, mm. um, if a patient is consenting that I come into their room, I don't feel that what goes on in that room is the hospital's business yeah. and it should not concern the hospital's policies. So if there is a sick child that is in there and the parents would like their sick child photographed, mm -hmm. the hospital should have no say on yeah. that. Um, because what ends up happening is with this child, in some cases, well, in Catherine's case, she needed a, a stem cell transplant. She needed a donor. Mm -hmm. And we were having trouble finding one because mm -hmm. she's mixed, Mexican and American, or white, Caucasian. And so we needed to get the story out there as best as we could. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay had the method to get that done. Mm -hmm. This wasn't because somebody wanted some nice pictures and that was right, it. Right, right. This was to try to save a child's life. Mm -hmm. And the hospital was getting in the way. 
because of policies. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, w- the way you said it, I mean, doctors and nurses can't have a camera inside the room. That's pretty cut and dry. You know, right. that, that's, a, that's understandable. But to me, if the parent is there, the child's there, and you're a professional photographer, you're not just mm-hmm. somebody with a flip phone walking in taking pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of BS. Now, the only argument that I could see them making is something like, well, we have to worry about sanitation issues and too many people or whatever in the room. But what did they tell you to do as a, you know, what, what was the suggestion for you to do? Instead of taking the pictures in the room, they wanted you to go out to the playground or something? Correct. Yeah. Now, Correct. It, didn't she have an autoimmune disorder? Didn't yeah. she have an she immune had, deficiency? So She had no immune system. So to tell a four-year-old little girl who spends most of her life in a hospital room every day to go out to a playground but not touch anything. Nothing. Is, She's not allowed to touch a thing. It's almost like a swift kick, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, how do you do that to a child and feel okay with yourself? It is. It's taking a kid to a candy store and saying, no candy. That's basically exactly what it was. But, you know, I was reading a couple of the stories on, uh, I've read a couple of stories on your website. And the one that really stood out to me the most was the stillborn. Mm -hmm. The one, the stillborn that was laying on the mother's chest. And I saw on there that the mother had caught a lot of flack and you caught, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people saying that that is, you know, that you shouldn't post something like that or you shouldn't Mm -hmm. take a picture like that or something like that. But can you imagine if you're a spiritual person and you're, if you're a spiritual person and somebody you love just passed away, don't you kind of think their spirit may be there still watching? What happens if you don't put the baby on your chest and take a picture of it? I mean, doesn't that kind of well, make you seem been, like you don't cherish, even though it was stillborn? You still cherish it. There's your been child. cases where stillborns have been laid on the mother's chest and, and they come back to life. And they that come back I can, to I'm life. telling you right now, I would believe that 100%. Well, you don't have to try to believe it. It's happened. Well, I'm just saying. You but I mean, <laughs> yeah. So what happened in that case with you? That was a tough story. Um, essentially, when I posted it, the stories that have been seen by thousands of people, um, they don't start out like that. So I, I'm never, oh, this is going to be a great story no. and it's going to be on Yahoo tomorrow. No, it never starts like that. So no. basically, same thing with this family. This family was nominated. Um, basically, she didn't feel the baby's heartbeat. She go, she kind of has like this routine and she goes and has her coffee every morning and then the baby kind of, because of the caffeine, moves yeah. around a lot. So that's what happened um on a routine basis except this morning it didn't happen so she Mm. got a little bit nervous she went to the hospital um they checked for a fetal heartbeat there was no fetal heartbeat so they did a couple more um tests and they came to the conclusion that the baby had died they hadn't they didn't have a reason to why the baby died but they basically gave emily two choices they said you can either have a c-section right now mm-hmm. or you can wait until tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Oh well she was gosh. by herself uh, because her husband worked oh, in LA and it was like peak traffic hours so it would have took three and a half four hours for him to get home so oh, she's like gosh. I can't have this by myself no. so poor Emily had to leave drive home by herself knowing that she now has a deceased child inside of her she took a shower she came to into her baby room she was 38 weeks pregnant Mm. so she had everything for the baby and then we spoke that night and I basically explained to her the process Mm. and I basically said you know I'm there to be your best friend that day when I come in 
if you all of a sudden decide that you don't want me to be there, Mm -hmm. then that's okay. But Mm -hmm. I will be there in the morning. And I was there. Um, I was there in the room when she had the C-section. I was Mm -hmm. the first person to see the baby. And I just remember now it's not as difficult for me to talk about. But when I... The first time I had to speak about the story on on CBS, I just remember like I sunk in the chair and I just started crying because I just relived this mother that did this horrid scream. And she was just basically asking me, is she out? Is she coming out? But she had no idea that the baby was right next to me. So that was like her reality of, oh my my gosh, this is really happening. So when I documented her story and I told her story, I basically told her story for help. I had the followers, and most people don't have $10,000 for a family vacation, let alone to bury a child. No, you don't, yeah. So there's no payment plans Mm -mm. for funeral services. So she was just a young mom that now needed to bury a kid. So I basically just shared this story and shared her GoFundMe and just asked my followers to, one, pray for this family, Mm -hmm. and for two, donate, like, don't have a Starbucks for the day and just Mm -hmm. give them the $4 for your Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And we raised over like $30,000 in, I think it was four days, three days. And that story essentially had 91 million views. Mm -hmm. So it is essentially controversial in the fact of, you know, some people didn't want to go through their Facebook and see this deceased baby. But my whole goal of showcasing this story Mm -hmm. was to almost form a normalcy for somebody that miscarries a baby mm-hmm. or that has a stillbirth because it's so hush hush people don't ever want to talk about it yeah i'm sure Taboo. even even in your case people people don't want to be like how are you how's Catherine? what was yeah. her favorite color they don't even want to talk about her because no. they don't know how yeah they so, don't want to drudge up emotion right so my whole goal for this family was to create this sense of normalcy to where it's okay to ask about Mm -hmm. this baby Mm -hmm. it's okay to ask this mom you know how are you doing how are you feeling um yeah because what people don't realize is when you're not able to talk about it as the parent worse it becomes much harder to deal with right you know because those feelings and emotions they just keep building up inside of you and every any time you look at a picture of the child you break down immediately they need to talk about it. And if society right. puts this clamp down on them where you're not allowed to. Yeah, and that's that's totally not cool. Like the first thing that I tell my clients is like, what do you want the world to remember about this person? Mm-hmm. Like, what's their birthday? What's their favorite color? What's their favorite sport? Sure. What's this? What's that? Because I feel that just because they're no longer with us here on earth, that doesn't mean you just X them out of the family. You can't do that. Yeah. You need to like still celebrate, oh, it's June 15th. This is so-and-so's birthday. Great. Let's yeah. get a cake. Let's... It's a very healthy way, I think, to deal with this. Yeah. You know, the same people that probably got all up in arms and worked up right. about it, those same people, they they don't have a problem with sifting through 5 million ingredients for how to cook a hamburger on their Facebook pages. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or kim kardashian the new kim kardashian thing or something in the news because that's all you see on facebook you know i've i actually had a couple people who said like what the hell's wrong with you why would you post this picture of this dead baby on this this and this and instead of getting mad 
I just basically apologized and I just said, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry that you had to be offended by these photos. Um, it was, I did not tag you in them. Mm-hmm. They're shared. And so they, they basically just mm-hmm. came up on your wall without me knowing you can block them. And um, I remember I received six emails mm-hmm. and five out of the six emails all lost kids. And they were very, at the end of the day, they weren't angry at the picture. They were angry that this was their life that they once lived Mm -hmm. and they didn't know how to handle it. So instead of just grieving in their own way, they Mm -hmm. like lashed out and they were very angry. And that's the thing. It's like the things that the stories that you tell about the the people, Mm -hmm. this is reality. Right. Every day. There's there's people every day that are suffering through these diseases, cancer of mm-hmm. all different kinds. There's children dying. There's there's families losing their mothers, their right. fathers, their brothers, their sisters, and it's relegated to this corner of our society that we don't want to look at it mm-hmm. because it's hard to deal with. Right. We don't want to have to deal with it when in reality we need to deal with this. Hmm. I I think that if death essentially like not trying not like I'm trying to glorify death by any means but I think that if it's more normalized because there's two things in life that we are promised as a person you are once born and Mm. you will once die yeah birthdays are celebrated um I think that deaths can most definitely be very 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 sad but um I think nowadays most people focus on like the tragedy mm-hmm. so when I'm contacted by somebody I really like to focus on like the triumph of whoever that person was yeah because who wants to remember like the terrible stuff exactly it, it, you remember that whether you want to or not that's yeah. that's just relevant but I think that if I can help them focus on the good you know your kids laugh if I can record that mm-hmm. if I can record their heartbeat if I can cast their hands yeah. if I can do video diaries of your mom mm-hmm. or if I can give you a birthday card for when you turn 18 or a graduation card from your dad that's not going to be here when you are 18 those are like things that people will forever treasure because yeah. you can't go back in time to get that No. So and they're positive things they're not yeah, we need the the tragedy of death is always there. Right. We need to just accept it. Right. And then what we needed to start doing is moving away from that focus, like you just said, and looking towards their life and celebrating who they were and right. keeping their memories alive. Right. And that's something that's very particular to our culture here in the United States, the American culture. Mm-hmm. In other cultures throughout the world, death has a different. Well, how would you say it? Like a different um, view. <laughs> Right. It's looked at differently. Right. And it's something that I think you're helping to change a little bit at a time. Well, I mean, and granted, some situations are much more difficult for us to digest. If a four-year-old dies of cancer, that is completely different, I think, feeling-wise than your 97-year-old grandma yes. dying in her sleep. Yeah. So emotionally, I think that they are very two different things. Yeah. Um, but the fact that there's still beauty in both lives that yeah. can be, you know, recognized, there's no di- there's no difference. Yeah. You know, those four, you said four out of six people mm-hmm. um, had a somewhat of a negative response. Right. Imagine if they knew about you and was able to do that for mm-hmm. their child. Mm-hmm. Would they still have the same 
would they still have the same you know no. thought process or opinion or whatnot about what transpired when you know? i when i go and i speak to somebody and i kind of tell them the full spiel of yeah. of what i do one of two things happens one they're crying because they just wished that they knew of mm-hmm. of what i could have done to help them yeah. or two they they don't really know how to process what has happened and now they kind of don't know how to really go forward because they they want certain things to happen but they don't really know how to implement those yeah. things because there was nobody like you there to help them right. to show them there right. is a different way of processing this there, or there you're are, not alone in this right there there are things because to be just paint the picture there's this tragedy and your 12 year old was injured in a car accident and they call you and they say this is your 12 year old is on life support mm-hmm. you need to make some very serious decisions yeah, um the first person that most people do not call is me <laughs> no it just doesn't happen yeah. they're thinking organ donation they're thinking oh my gosh you know what do we do however i cannot tell you how many people after the fact would say oh my gosh if i just had my 12 year old's heartbeat so i could yeah. just push that button and hear it anytime that I wanted to, like that's priceless, Lindsay, I wish I knew. So there are some times in certain circumstances that I will go in and I will say, okay, look, for instance, it's a husband and wife. Maybe the wife wants me to come and the husband's like, no way, this isn't happening. I do not want photographs of this or whatever need be. So I will tell them, it's a one-time thing. It's one time. As many as people say that weddings are one time, mm. how many people get remarried? So let's yeah. be serious. These types of situations, it's a one-time show. So perhaps maybe dad doesn't want me to be there, but mom does. So I will say, okay, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to respect you both. And I'm going to leave. Mom, when you want what I have, you tell me. Dad, if you never want to see what I have, you can stick it in a box and you don't have to open mm-hmm. it for 5, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if in 20 years you want to have what I have, you at least have the opportunity to open this box and get it. Yeah. Where you you still have no regrets because mm-hmm. you still have it. Yeah. Where there are some people that will never have that opportunity. Yeah. It's it's that old saying, you don't know what you're missing or whatever this until I it's gone yeah until it's gone yeah. right you know you, you you're gonna want that even though right. in the moment you don't think you will right later on in life you're gonna want those it's, <laughs> it's like the pictures that you took of Catherine mm-hmm. you know I, those are those are treasures mm-hmm. that we will always have and we fought for that <laughs> that yeah. was that was hell that we was fought rough. for that session you know and it's there's something that you captured in those pictures that no other picture i have of Catherine transmits you you see who she was in those pictures you captured a small piece of her soul in Mm -hmm. a way and that's something that sets you apart from any other photographer i've ever seen i mean because catherine has got the pictures from other professional photographers Mm -hmm. none of them captured that Mm -hmm. and i think that's because you're putting your heart into it this is something there's something very special about it in the way that you do it 
It's not a job. It's a calling. I, and I, I mean, I hope and I pray that 10 years to come, people will still say that about me because um, I, I've, when I first started this, I never did this for the money. Mm. Um, I never did this for the views or whatever my name to get out. I Mm -hmm. did this because one, I wish that I could have been a nurse, but I hate school. (laughs) So this is my other way of helping. There you go. Um, but when I, when I show, when I showcase somebody, seriously, only 5% of these people may want the photo. There's mm-hmm. so much more behind, mm-hmm. like the photo. Maybe they need, in your case, organ donation, mm-hmm. bone marrow transplant. Um, their GoFundMe has $5 and they can't mm-hmm. get it to rise or, or whatever need be. So when you see, that's what, that's what I try to like portray. Like a picture is never just a picture. Have you ever taken a family photo or whatever and the wife is like taking five hours to get ready and the kids are running around and you're, you're yelling, don't get your clothes dirty. And you know, you're not allowed to eat Mm -hmm. or you can't do anything until after we take these photos or whatever. It's never just the family photo. And you're miserable at the time the picture's taken. Yes. But for that one second, what does everybody see? The perfect photo. And you have people that are like, dang, I can't get my kids to sit so for the life of me. But really you're thinking if you only knew what went in to take Mm -hmm. that photo. About 17 pictures and sorted and found the best one. Right. Yelling, grounding kids from this. That's me. Like no iPad for the week. Focus, pay attention, you know. So I try and tell people a picture, what you see is never really what you see. So in Catherine's case, if somebody were to see that photo, would they have known that this kid was sick ever since she was like seven months? No. Nobody would ever know that. So there's always a story behind the actual photo. When we took Catherine up to the hospital and for a review to possibly get treated at, right. at uh, the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They, look at their, they looked at her, her case and, and the, the seven or eight different infections that she had on top of just no immune system. They're like, is this kid even walking? Alive. alive? Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, she was just outside you know, playing around and having fun. And they were shocked by it because you would look at her and you would never think that this child right. was so ill. And it's, that's the case. You mm-hmm. just don't know what's the story behind the pictures. Right. And I think, I think what I do, I try to show people to help more, judge less, um, because I can't tell you how many clients that I've had that are actually terminally ill Mm. and people will write in and be like, this person doesn't really have cancer. This person doesn't really have leukemia. And then two weeks later they die. And it's like, really? You want to eat your words? So, yes, there are sick individuals out there that mm-hmm. act as if they have things that they do not have. But I think that that's pretty crappy, like, as a human race, that we always go to that. Yeah. Do they, re- are they really that sick? Yeah, attention getting. Are they really, well, it's you know, like, whatever. It's uh, like Carmen. I mean, she always had her makeup on. Mm-hmm. She looked fantastic. Beautiful. You know, it wasn't until the very end that you could even tell that there was anything wrong with her. Yeah. And that was, that's, that's probably the hardest story I read. That that's you the hardest story I've ever done. That one just because of how close you got to her. Yeah. Very close. And you, you, oh, I have no idea who Carmen is. So do you mind sharing a little bit of that? Can if you? you can. Yeah. Carmen was um, 36 years old and she was diagnosed with glioblastoma. 
Um, she's like, she has six kids. Yeah. Uh, or she had six kids. Um, and she basically lived, I think it was six months after her diagnosis. She died January 2nd of this year. And she, before she died, I mean, she looked like a completely different person. She basically had an inoperable brain tumor. And, um, oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, so she had an inoperable, uh, inoperable brain tumor. So when she first went in, they thought, okay, maybe you have meningitis or maybe mm. you just have like really bad headaches. We have no idea what's wrong with you. But she was so healthy and so beautiful. That was the last thing mm-hmm. that they ever assumed. So, long story short, they gave her um, an MRI and they found the tumor. So I documented her, you know, her whole entire journey. But she was somebody that uh, moved across to New York Mm -hmm. from California. She stayed at my house for many weeks when she was sick. Um, She hung out with my kids. She took my kids shopping. And then it was a very quick death when she Mm -hmm. did get so sick. Um, She gained like 142 pounds, I think. in the last three months. Oh, wow. Um, That's a lot of stress. Yeah. So it was due to the medication yeah. that she was on, whatever the... Um, but no, I mean, these... these. What I also try to convey to these people is these people aren't like aliens that all of a sudden get sick. They're just everyday people that yeah. just lived everyday lives. And all of a sudden, they get a phone call or mm-hmm. they get an illness or whatever that it's within one split second Mm. their lives change yeah so they don't just you know live this crazy life and life's always been crazy like that's that's not the case it's just you know kind of like we flip a light switch on well that's exactly how their diagnosis is formed it's just their doctor walks in one day after having a bad headache and it's i'm sorry but you have an inoperable blah 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 you have four months to live and gosh that's it go home have a nice day yeah and then you have to go home and deal with that and exactly the worst part about those kind of situations is you find out who your real friends and family are oh yes and it's just like it's sad to say but a lot of times it just they just scatter to the wind Mm -hmm. and then you've got this small handful of people out of this large group to lean on for support when you need them the most. Right. I think a lot of people in general, they don't really know how to deal with it. No. Uh, from what I've noticed, you know, there's always one person in the family that's the pillar. Yeah. They, they hold it all together. Mm. And then there's always the know-it-all. It mm. seems like you have the know-it-all. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the ones that are just very quiet and... They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Um, and then you just have the ones that they just judge. Like, oh my God, she hasn't eaten 24 hours. This is very bad. <laughs> but really, yeah. on the flip side, how... I, I try to tell my clients, like, essentially, how? why is that bad? Why? Because, of course, they should be eating, you know, but they're digesting what really has just happened to them and their whole entire world has just been flipped upside down. So if they decide to freak out on you or they just decide that they need alone time for the next 24 hours, you Mm -hmm. just let them be because who's to say that 
that's not normal. I go 24 hours without eating on a normal day sometimes. I mean, I think people are just very judgmental. Mm -hmm. And I think that they are very ignorant. They don't know how to deal with death. Yeah, and that's something that I think, I don't know if it's going to get better with time. But the more exposure that the, the, the stories you present get, that's going to present death to, I, I don't know, I think your work will help with that. Yeah, I hope. I mean, I hope, I hope that I present it in this light where it's not morbid because no. even I see certain things and I'm like, okay, that's a little creepy. But <laughs> I, I don't try to do those types of things. No. I, I try and just really showcase real life. Yeah. They don't have to be terminal. They don't have to be sick. Maybe it's a story on, for example, I did the sa- first safe surrender story. So mm. safe surrender is basically where you can walk into a fire department, you can walk into a hospital, and you can safely surrender your child. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Like a baby. Yeah. And they they provide this, or this law passed, basically, um, because they were finding babies in trash cans. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, mothers were doing disgusting things yeah. to their kids because they couldn't care for them. So I documented the first case in the United States. Oh, wow. And my goal, again, was to raise awareness. Mm-hmm. So the stories that I do don't have to be terminal. Um, they don't have to be so sad. They basically can just be to raise awareness. Maybe it's Batten's disease or, you know, Whatever, whatever the case may be, but I try to showcase stories that people don't mm-hmm. know much about. Yeah, it's like um, less than four percent of the natural budget for uh, cancer research goes to childhood cancers. Yes, uh-huh. they're just because they're a disenfranchised group that has no right. real voice. Right. They don't. They. I mean, I read one thing that said they haven't made a new drug to treat childhood cancers since the the late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been anything new made. Right. They're still using the same stuff to treat these kids every day. Right. And more kids are dying from the chemotherapy than from the cancers. Right. I've never experienced anything like this before, so it's kind of hard for me to relate in a sense. Uh, but I can tell you right now, I just from what I'm hearing, I think you should drive that ball even further, even harder. Every single person should know what you do because, like you said, it's it's all about pushing information, pushing information because a lot of people, they have no idea what's going to happen, like you said. Mm-hmm. But now, if people hear this, if people go on your website, if they read the testimonials, they see the different things that everybody else, you know, that people have experienced Oh my God! I mean, it it, it just and yeah. one less thing that's on your shoulders all the time. Because I, I mean, I would imagine in that type of a situation, you wouldn't. I would not know what to do. I would be completely lost. And the last damn thing I'm going to think of is I got to take a bunch of pictures, mm-hmm. or I need to take a uh, you know an audio. I didn't even know you did that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty epic. Because wow, when you do lose something, it's smell. It's your mm-hmm. five senses. It's those yeah. things that want to you know hold on to what it is that you just lost. And oh man. Yeah. yeah, something that I did is the moment I found out that Catherine got diagnosed at seven months, the what was weird that came to me is I wanted to document her entire journey because mm-hmm. I, I figured she was going to beat it. And she was, of course, gonna, you know, and so what I wanted to do is document it for her. So when she got older, she could look back on this whole journey through pictures and understand that there's nothing she couldn't overcome. So I've got a picture in the hospital room 
where she got diagnosed the day she got diagnosed. Oh, and man. I've got pictures throughout her entire journey all the yeah. way through. Because I, down to the last few hours of her life, I still held out hope that she was going to beat it. Mm-hmm. Just like any parent would. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and it's just an odd thing for me to think that I should do that. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have all those pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm grateful that you do what you do. I'm grateful that you posted all those pictures yeah. up. I understand. I, I can't fully grasp the concept because I've never had to deal with that. But, or, you know, I've never lost a child like that. So, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can't even, I'm glad you do this type of stuff because it just me looking at that picture of that baby on that woman's chest, I didn't see, uh, you know, a baby that passed away. I saw a mom in anguish. Mm-hmm. I saw yeah. a lifetime of memories and everything that is laying on her chest. If that if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and the way the baby looked, it almost looked like it was in peaceful. It looked mm-hmm. peaceful laying. It almost looked like it mm-hmm. was, you know, that it was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for me, I mean, so I didn't see yeah. anything negative in that picture. No. All I saw was, oh my god, I bet she's going through a hard. I can imagine what she's going through. So, and you've got something coming up pretty soon. We do first event four years. First, first event. ever event. First ever. So yes. what what's this event about? What's going on? Where is it going to take place? So last year in November, um, I did an interview with Forbes, and mm-hmm. they basically asked me why I was not a nonprofit. Um, I kind of gave them the rundown, and they said, essentially, you are spending thousands of dollars a year mm-hmm. um, supporting your dream, but you, Lindsay, should not be supporting your dream you should like look to others to be able to help you because yeah what you do is amazing um and so three weeks after that interview they made me a nonprofit. um so i've always envisioned having this amazing event but i didn't want it to be cheesy yeah and i didn't know where i could have it when the right time was for me mm-hmm. to have it so we're having it at the rosecroft estate which is a mansion in point loma mm-hmm. Um, on October 21st. I've been really blessed to just get the sponsors that I have to come yeah. there. Um, Saquon is one of my main sponsors. Chargers is um, a sponsor. San Diego Padres, San Diego Police Department, uh, the Sheriff's Association. There's been Xpera, which is a um, building company. Mm-hmm. There's been great people that, you know... I, I just kind of look back and I just think, wow, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because this all started like with a $200 borrowed camera from my uncle. <laughs> so um, it's cool to see how this has evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in the next five years. I, I can hope that it's great things. But I think right now it's such... Like a step by step, like yeah, we're just going to the next chapter of this is the first this whole big journey. event. This is the first big event, three hundred and fifty people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, that's pretty awesome. And how can people find out more about the event? What can they do to get tickets? They can purchase tickets online, thelovesongfoundation.org. I really, I, I've heard so much about these whole nonprofit events. Like, oh my gosh, they're so boring. They are. They they come in, you give the money, and you go. I don't want that to, to be mm-hmm. the case. And essentially, um, what I was telling my fundraiser is I don't want people to just give me money and not attend the event. Yeah. I want people to be connected to what I do. 
So even if they don't give me a dime, but they mm-hmm. just buy the ticket and then they come to the event, that's what I want because I want them to be invested in yeah. what I'm doing and I want them to really get mm-hmm. what I do. So then next year they're going to come yeah. and the next 10 years they're going to come yeah. because um, I think it's so much bigger than them just giving me a check. Yeah. I want I want them to really know. Mm-hmm. So, Yes. I mean, that's the case. That's the goal. There's so many nonprofits out there too, where so much of the money just goes to overhead or, or paying their CEOs. I mean, insane amounts of, you know, there's multiple nonprofits out there where the CEO is making over a hundred thousand dollars a year for a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. You don't even know where the money's going Mm -hmm. or even if it's going to get to where you want it to do, to do the good you hope it's going to do. And in this case, you've got Lindsay right here. You know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that just sets her apart from all these other nonprofits. Yeah, so we are nationwide. Um, I fly out of state once a month. Mm. I just hired, for the first time in four years, a photographer in Michigan, so she'll handle the East Coast. So it's, there's, there's a lot of things that are supposed to happen. We're supposed to do a YouTube channel Mm. um, in January. I think that with this event, it will, I have helped 316 people in the three and a half, mm-hmm. almost four years of me doing this, but I'm only one person yeah. and I've never had a pot to pull from money-wise. Yeah. So I can't even fathom like what yeah. I can do and the wishes that I can grant yeah. and the people that I can help mm-hmm. um, after this event. So mm-hmm. that's, that essentially is very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you there's so many people that I meet and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and grant you this wish. And I do. I grant it. But it's not this lavish wish. It's not no. something in my mind that I wish that I could grant. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're going to go to Disneyland for two days. Here's your tickets and there's dinner. Yeah. But maybe I want to send some kid to Disneyland Paris. Yeah. And I can't because I don't have a pot to pull from. So yeah. now, hopefully, the event will go very well mm-hmm. and I will be able to help a lot more people. I think you will. Wow, you're like a catch-all. You provide comfort for the parent after, if there if there is an after, and Not then just you the provide. Parent. And if you have the opportunity, you provide comfort for the for the person. You right. know, for the uh, yeah, that's it's, it's like amazing. Make a wish foundation, uh, yeah, and a whole lot of other things all rolled into one. Exactly. Not to mention. Uh, Everybody needs to go to this freaking website and take a look at it. That way you can actually understand what we're, you know, it's, I didn't even know until I went to the website. Mm-hmm. And once I went to the website, I, it just blew my mind. The pictures, and, oh man, that one where the baby's kind of propped up on it. <laughs> beautiful picture. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I wish I could take pictures like that. But then again, you know, I don't want a <laughs> situation. But the way it sounds is it's almost like you don't really necessarily need a situation to, you know, at least talk to you or do something like that. Right. You can go through the website. No, 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 no. I mean, I am a regular everyday photographer. There you Um, go. That's what I meant too. Yes. So I have a studio in Menifee. And then, like I said, now, um, I have my actual own 501c3, but so they are two different entities. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but essentially, like I said, you don't have to be terminal or you don't Mm -hmm. have to be in a bed in a hospital in order to contact me to share your story i mean i have i get about 50 nominations a day Mm -hmm. wow um and i kind of pick and choose what i think that i should bring to light sure Um, so maybe it's it's some sort of illness that Mm -hmm. we don't know very much about 
Um, or maybe it's granting a wish or whatever, whatever that may be. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's kind of how it works. Wow. God, just the pressure, what you're having to do. I know. So just think how great it's going to be when I have a snack. <laughs> and, and, see the thing, but, yeah. and, and, you know, essentially you, you look at it in the same way. It's hard to explain it, but those people that can't see, you know, what you see because they, they can't because they can't do what you do. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. How many people can actually do that? I yeah, know I would never be able to do what you I have you're so doing. many people that are photographers and they're like, okay, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to take the pictures. But that's what I try to explain. I'm like, that's it's, wrong. It's not the photo. It's these people need so much more yeah. than you snapping the picture. They need you to hold their hand and show them a deceased body. Yeah. They need you helping fundraise. They need counseling. They need... They need a friend. Uh, they do. And yeah. and a lot of times it's it's so much easier for me to walk into this chaos because I am not actually a family member. Mm-hmm. There are no ties to me, to them. So I cannot tell you um, the things that some of these people have told me mm-hmm. right before they have died. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a blessing in disguise in a sense that like I can ask the family like, it's okay. Go go ahead. Go run to the grocery store. Go do whatever you have to do. You know, mm-hmm. I can stay with Jim yeah. and I'm going to we're going to do a video recording of mm-hmm. him and I can document this person for 9 months and the family has no idea what I'm documenting and mm-hmm. then after this person is no longer here, I can say, "Here you go, Maria. This is what your husband wanted to tell you." Oh wow. And I can give them these video journals mm-hmm. of 9 months of Jim saying, you know, Maria, on days that are tough, you need to think of this or whatever. I mean, those are things that somebody, I think, from the outside has probably a better way of portraying this because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, why do people go to therapists? Yeah. They go to therapists because they can't talk to their wife. The they go to party. therapists because yeah. they can't talk to their husband or whatever it is. So when I come in, there's no strings attached. It's mm-hmm. like okay, I'm going to tell you what I've always wanted to say, but I couldn't say it. So there has been some very priceless memories that I've created for family members based on those situations. Yeah. So yes, it's never, ever, ever just a photo. People write me and be like, okay, so I just walk in the room and snap the picture. And I'm like, if you want to be a photographer, Hmm. but if you yeah. want to be emotional support and their friend and their fam- missing family member that they wish mm-hmm. that they have always had and everything in between, no, you cannot just snap a picture. Yeah, in that moment, you don't want somebody that's just going to walk in like right. they're walking a straight line, snap, mm-hmm. walk out. I mean, that's right. almost the point. Yeah. Right. It's like you I mean, want are, that little light that, you know, that little are, bitty light. I know a couple of photographers, not photographers, foundations, and they do great things, but that is what they do. Hello, my name is Lindsay. I am with blah, 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 blah. I'm here to do this for you. They take the photos. They shake their hands. You sign a release. They leave, and that is it. I have learned in doing this in the three and a half years that these people are blindsided. They have no idea how to do life they become a three-year-old that does not know how to tie their shoes so literally i have sat and i have said okay now that your husband is no longer here we are going to have to go through these bills we are going to have this is a list of 50 things that you need to take care of in the next 48 hours 
there just is so much that goes that goes on but I think that it's a great thing that I've been provided the opportunity to raise awareness about mm-hmm. these these things and essentially I can photograph whatever the heck I want there you go that means something to me mm-hmm. so I will shoot anything under the sun that can speak to me because I'm not like an animal photographer or anything mm. like that um, but if you have a voice I typically like to photograph you and I I like to just speak on subjects that maybe the next person really doesn't want to talk about yeah go to those tough areas yeah the next the next person doesn't want to talk about because they don't know how like you said yeah because yeah, my hat's off to you yeah. I'm telling you right now I it, it is yeah. very easy to say, okay, yeah, you take pictures, big whoop, but man, once you start realizing she's having to decide who's getting the picture taken, she's having to go to the place and see these people, physically touch them and feel love or whatever from these people just to capture something for mm. them. And you don't ever want somebody like, if people would ask me all the time, why can't you just hire a staff, hire a staff? And I, I'm like, for one, obviously I don't have a pot to pull from because yeah. we didn't have a nonprofit. But even if I did have a nonprofit, I'm kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because I think um, I don't want somebody to ever do this for the money. Mm-hmm. So even if they say there's no hidden agenda, at the end of the day, they're still getting a paycheck. Yeah. So it's a job. It is a job. So I have to be very careful in the fact of me expanding now. Um, who I have on mm-hmm. step with, with me because they're not just representing love song, but they're also representing my family mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, when I pull off these wishes and I give somebody an $80,000 wedding for their wish, yeah, it's my family that helps me pull this off. Yeah, like I don't yeah. have this staff of 65 people. It's my husband that takes off work. It's my 12 year old that's you know, putting the stuff together. <laughs> Helping and, with the decorations. Yeah, like yeah. it's is a family affair. So we've worked so hard to create this life for all of these people um, and to kind of protect the name mm-hmm. that... And the integrity of it. I, I, yeah, I, I feel that when people... Here's an example. When people see me showcase a story... If they are a follower of Love Song, they yeah. do not question the integrity of that person one bit. No. If they might, I, I always know when somebody is new to joining my page because then I might get a crappy email and the email's like, this person really doesn't have cancer. Yeah. Then I know. But the, the extent that I go through with these clients, the interview process of, let's talk about who you are. Okay, let's see what this child really has. You know what what am i documenting it's a real story so um the integrity of love song is huge yeah um and so i don't want anybody to tarnish that no because yeah. i mean it could be easily tarnished if you hire the wrong person of course i mean and so it has to be guarded and protected and in those situations i mean i ever do anything under the sun but in those situations um where somebody is sick those individuals are extremely sensitive. Mm. So you might not even say something that is all that bad, mm-hmm. but to somebody that has just gone through the biggest setback emotionally of their life, yeah. they might take that another way. Oh yeah. So you have to literally like walk on glass almost, yeah. you know, in these situations. Yeah. So 
it might not even be with you know bad intentions that you're trying to say something but it could come out wrong i mean i can't tell you how many times I, i just had a lady two weeks ago she lost her baby stillborn and the mom comes over and she gives her a hug and she's like honey at least you're 30 years old and you can have another baby oh wow (laughs) and the the mother that lost the baby was like you've got to be kidding me but the mom looked at her with this blank face like what what's the problem what did i just say she doesn't really understand the words that came out of her mouth and so I just, you know, took the mom, the mom was like, come, come on, come, come with me. Mm-hmm. And, but this is very common. These people just, they just say, things. they just say things because yeah. they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I had a person tell me one time, like, you know, that they would never do chemotherapy on their kid. They mm. would just would not do it. And it's like, I told him, you don't know what you're going to decide to do until you're in that moment. Absolutely. You it's, can't say it's that. It's kind of like, um. The whole medical marijuana thing. Yeah. People would ask me all the time, what are your thoughts on medical marijuana? What are your thoughts? And I'm like, well, if it's 16-year-old Kevin smoking weed behind the trash can, no. <laughs> behind prob- the trash can. Probably not so into it. Yeah. But yeah. if it's six-year-old Katie that doesn't have seizures anymore because all she had to do was smoke this, yes, I'm all about this. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so... I think that it's just because people don't know. They're just not educated. Yeah. And they're, unfortunately, they're, now, six-year-old Katie that doesn't have seizures will no longer be able to get a job because of drug testing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, yeah. I had to true. throw that in there, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I just totally cut you off and <laughs> messed up your train <laughs> of thought. I had a thought. I'm it's sorry. Gone. I had it's gone. It's to gone. get that out there because it's that's gone. one thing that's driving me BS crazy. Yeah. But... There's that event coming up on October 21st. Yes. If there's any tickets left, we need our listeners to tell their friends to buy a ticket, buy a ticket themselves, get as much attention. Go to Facebook, find Love Song Photography, like the page, share the page. Get as much attention for Lindsay as possible. I had like 500 questions that I wanted to ask you, but you just started answering them all. You're, obviously, she's pretty good at talking, huh? Thanks. I was like, yeah. I had like 10 different questions lined up, and I was like, okay, she answered that one, she answered that one, she answered that one, and then it, and eventually I just forgot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it is amazing, for, for especially for, I mean, even in us, as soon as he told me about you and I went on the website and looked at it, I was like, oh man, awesome, because you, you are that light in that dark place that people don't want to go to. But Thank you're you. that light that comes in and shows them that there is good people still in this world. Yeah. But, well, I've lost my train of thought. Light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. Light at the end of, you are that, yes, you're the that, that beacon. Yeah. Because you got to think about it, man. There's people out there that, it, that it's the worst part of their freaking lives right now. But then all of a sudden you step in and say, I am here to help. Yeah. I wish you would have been there in San Francisco. Me too. You know, because... We had to make that decision, me and my wife. We had to do everything. My wife was in no position to make any of those decisions, you know. Oh, and Catherine. and I had to kind of make all those decisions. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was flying by the seat of my pants, right. and I didn't even think to call you. Yeah. Well, let's not take up any more Lindsay's time. She's got a family to get back to. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank you. Yeah. Yes. For thank you for myself. having me. Thank you for doing this. Good luck on your guys' show. I know. And, yeah. We'll see. I didn't. 
I didn't know that there were people out there like yourself that are doing this. So in a way, you've kind of inspired me to look even further to see if there's any other things that people are actually doing for other people. Because the more and more you see the news and the more you watch and all the social media shoving in your face that people are just splitting apart. Mm-hmm. You kind of give me a little bit of more something that I can come back to and say, maybe we're not splitting apart. Maybe we just got to find that person that helps, you know, the yeah. glue to help glue everybody back People together. People like Lindsay are the salt there of the earth. Thank you. Boom. When life's cut too deep and left you hurting, the future you had hoped for is now burning. Dreams held so tight, lost their meaning. And you don't know if you ever find healing. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. And the night can only last for so long. Whatever you're facing, if you're You don't have to be 
Just look beyond the clouds.